is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of Guadagni Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me as always are my two great co-hosts, Federico Perez and Ralph Hanna. And guys, you know, I think a lot of people have been talking about this senior dialect. You know, there's been the contest has been going. I don't know if Fede has been looking at it so far, but it's been coming very viral on Twitter these days, where basically it's a Twitter space of various people singing. You know, it's kind of like the X Factor and American Idol and all those kind of things. But here at What Any Vision, we're going to actually not perform today. We're actually not going to be doing any type of singing, but we are going to talk about the drama that's been going on in Paraguayan football. Obviously, looking into the national team and their World Cup qualifiers, how they fared out, what's at stake for them with only you know four games left, hard to believe. And of course, the league race between two teams that are really going neck and neck, literally could go into the final day with a possible champion or even a playoff. We'll see what happens, but I'm excited to talk about this. Let's go straight to the mother country, to Fede Perez with a nice little calendar with the Guarani Vision logo right in the background. I love it already. Fede, how are you, man? Hi, Roberto. It's so nice to see you after a couple of weeks. Nice to see Ralph. Also, unfortunately, we're not having Maria lately. She's been really busy. She's, she's been working a lot. So we'll have her back uh, in the next couple of, of, of episodes, hopefully before the end of the year. We still got a month ahead of us. Uh, November is coming to an end and we got so much to talk about. I was just listening to you. Four games for the national team, just three games for the local, two games actually for the local league in, uh, games now. Uh, especially for Cerro Porteño and Guarani, we'll talk, we're, we'll talk about this this race that's been on for a while now. I mean, these two teams that have been going at it and especially just winning and winning. I mean, that's why it's just about these two teams making it big. This In this second tournament on the Clausura, we're going to talk about their last games. We're going to talk about what's coming up for them in these last two games. And obviously, uh, try to talk a little bit about the national team. I mean, what's, what's going on with the new team, with, with the new head coach also after these two games that we had? Do we still have a chance or, or not, right? I mean, that's that's the question that everybody's asking over here. And, and obviously, we need to discuss the situation. Where is the national team going also forward, even if we, if we don't qualify for the World Cup? I mean, that's my big question right now. I mean, where do we go on from here? And and obviously, talk about everything else. We had the 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 Libertadores coming to an end, the women's Libertadores coming to an end, and we had Cerro Porteño, just like we announced uh, a couple of episodes ago, that they could be the team to make it the, the furthest. They were the team to make it the furthest, and we're obviously going to talk about that with Ralph. We had a we had a Paraguayan player in the final also against Corinthians. We were rooting for her. Unfortunately, she couldn't make it. So yeah, we got a, a whole bunch of news stacked up for everybody listening to What an Vision. Like always, it's just great to be here again, Roberto. And it's nice to have you after your short vacation, but you, you still got a lot of work ahead of you, buddy. Absolutely. And I think I might have already brought the cold from England. I was there for a few days. I really had a good time. And as you can tell from my clothes, obviously, it's getting cold here in Connecticut. Uh, no snow yet, though. Not yet. And we mentioned to Ralph before the start of the show how he was complaining about how cold it was. What was the temperature again? Tell, tell me the temperature again, Ralph, before you start to complain about how cold it was. <laughs> 19 degrees. So right. And like here it's 65. two degrees. Yeah. And right here it's two degrees, which is 34 degrees. So... Guess who's the winner of the cold contest here? Yeah, my kids this morning were, they were like breathing, like to, to try and see if the air comes out. And it's like, yeah, that's not going to happen at this temperature. It's not that cold, but that's what happens here in Miami. 
But yeah, the, the other team that's called a Paraguay because the national team is still not scoring goals and still finding it difficult, which I'm sure we're gonna, going to jump into. Um, and then, you know, so much going on that like you guys are saying. Also, let's give a shout out to Brian Ojeda. He finally made his debut today for Nottingham Forest. Uh, I think they drew, they drew nil-nil. Um, I didn't watch the game. But it seems he, he got the full 90 minutes. So that's that's good news for him. He took a bit of time to adapt since he made the move there. So let's hope he gets a gets a big kind of you know second second half of the season. And Roberto's telling me on the chat, wow, third ever Paraguayan to play in the championship. That's a good test. I'm gonna go with Brian Montenegro, was the other. And oh, who's the who's the third, Roberto? Javier Acuna. Ah, Watford. of course, Javier Cunha Watford, yeah. Okay, there we go. So yeah, but that's good for him. Let's let's hope he gets a few games under his belt in what's now going to be a busy time for him before the next qualifier, which is the end of January. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, as many people say, the championship is on par with, you know, I think a, a lot of first leagues in, in Europe. It's one of the toughest. Many people view it as probably the toughest league in the world because of how competitive it is. And looking at someone like Ojeda doing well at a at a forest side that, you know, is starting to work its new ways up. We'll definitely keep a close eye on him. And, you know, hopefully it leads to him to a better team in the future, obviously playing in England and hopefully playing in the Premier League. But yeah, let's switch gears, of course, to what's been going on. Like you had mentioned, Ralph, yes, not only am I cold, not apparently you guys are cold in Miami, but also the national team is starting to get cold. As we talk about the national team in their two games that happened uh, over the last few weeks, Two games that were obviously crucial for their chances of qualification for Qatar 2022. It was also the first two games under the new manager, Guillermo Barroscalotto, replacing obviously the sack Eduardo Berizzo. And from the two games that we saw, we still saw a very cold Paraguay side. The first game, of course, was against Chile at the Defensores del Chaco, a packed Defensores del Chaco, actually. 42,000 were there in Sajonia to unfortunately see another loss for Paraguay, a 1-0 loss thanks to an own goal from Anthony Silva, who unfortunately parried the ball into his into the back of the net. Very much a very disappointing result. Obviously, I think the one that many people really felt more disgusted. But also heading into the next game against Colombia in Barranquilla. Again, a dull result. But it does raise a bit of optimism. A nil-nil draw against Colombia, you know, something that we had mentioned beforehand that Paraguay don't tend to get results in Colombia as it was in their history. So it's a positive result. And, you know, you could say all you want, but Fede, I mean, looking at this team, and we have said this already for quite some time, <coughs> excuse me, I just, I don't know where the goals are going to come from. I don't know how this team is really looking, but I don't know what you think, but I, I'm just not impressed at all. No, I think we're all uh, we're all in this situation that this team has let us down by now, right? I mean, I was just thinking uh, as we're doing another another episode of Water and Vision when we started doing Water and Vision. I mean, this team was just starting the roller cup, and and now we have them in this really bad situation, looking like one of the worst teams in South America. We're right there with Bolivia. We're right there with Venezuela, which are usually teams that are down there. And we're not accustomed to that, you know. We're accustomed to being uh, next, next, next to Ecuador, next to Peru lately that they've been to the last World Cups also. And, you know, just fighting against those teams in the South 
the Mercedes. This hasn't been that way for Paraguay. I mean, the only team we've actually beaten so far is Venezuela. And and they are the only team that are above us, at, uh, be, uh, behind us. I mean, actually, um, and and then you got Bolivia that made this run now, and they are so oh, they're so excited. I mean, even Bolivia has stuff to be happy about. We don't even have that, right? I mean, we don't even have the striker that Bolivia has with 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 Moreno. We we don't have a, a strong defense. I mean, this team is just uh, lacking everything right now, uh, even character. I mean, in, in that game against Chile, a, a lot of people were. We're, we're going after that, you know, it, 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 I think it kind of showed on that game that it wasn't all about the coaching staff, that it wasn't all on Berizzo, right? That these players actually just weren't cutting it. And that's something I, sh I said on the last episode, right before these, the, these games were, that were coming up, that maybe if we, if we lose, if we lost one of these games, uh, it was going to be more on the players than on the coaching staff, just because the coaching staff has just gotten in here. And these guys have been on the process of, trying to be an, an, of trying to get to a world cup for the last two times and they just haven't cut it again i'll say the same phrase because i think that's what best fits it even even anthony silva who was who had been one of our best players so far our goalkeeper uh he committed this error in a very key moment on, on the game and it's not the first time that, that, that we had this kind of situation uh tony sanabria also uh, against Bolivia. I mean, uh, unfortunately, when we kind of need these guys, I mean, they're just not showing up. Uh, again, Miguel Almiron not having a good two games, uh, you know, just coming up for a couple of minutes. The the Romero twins uh, not having a club has affected also our, our playing because Angel was one of our best players and he could, he could only play the first game and you could tell that he wasn't 100%, that he was kind of feeling the situation of not playing lately and he was a very important player he was a, he this is this was our top scorer lately and you know he just he didn't have a team lately and that's been that's been one of the one of the many issues actually that that i see on this on this on this team uh Celotto didn't want to change much he, he didn't change practically anything out of, out of the names at least he, he didn't surprise us much much uh, obviously he did put those players that uh, he, he had his confidence on. Uh, I think nobody was surprised to see Matias Rojas starting on both of these games just because of what he could bring to the midfield. And we saw for, for, for some moments what he could uh, bring and especially that, that, that partnership there with Miguel Almiron. But, I mean, the team is just not cutting it. And, and then you had players that had a big chance against Colombia and they also didn't, they didn't have the best approach. They didn't take advantage of the situation. Uh, Brian Samudio, Carlos Gonzalez, we, we saw them again on a starting team after a long time, and they had they, they, they gave such a good impression back on the Copa America. I wanted to see these guys on the pitch again, and they just didn't have the best game against Colombia either. I mean, this team is not competitive right now, unfortunately. I think I, I to look beyond this situation and beyond... Qatar beyond this World Cup. I mean, even if we make it to this World Cup, I don't know why we're going to go to this World Cup. It's going to be really hard against the big teams. If, if we're having trouble against the small teams in South America and, we, and we're and we scoreless, just like Roberto's telling me on these last five games, I mean, why are we? Why do we want to go to the World Cup? Just to make some, some, some money, just to put Paraguay out there uh, on the map. I mean, I want to go to the World Cup to be competitive. I want to go out there to at least try to not, I'm not saying we're going to be friends but I mean let's try to let's try to be competitive at least against the big teams I mean we're not looking that way right now 
So I, I think you need to start building something. That's why you brought a new coach and that new coach needs to start looking at the future players. Uh, the next World Cup after Qatar is four years beyond this. And right now, I think you need to start looking at the players that are 16, 17, 18 years old, because those are going to be the stars of tomorrow. And those are going to be the players that are going to be 21, 22 years old when the next World Cup comes. And I think those players need to have uh, 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 an important role on, on the squad already, just so they can get the experience because we're going to need them. This World Cup is far and far away from us. Yeah, that there wasn't much change. Talking, going first to the point about the players, that this was more on the players and the coach. That there wasn't a huge change, I thought, in style from from the let's say the Chile game because it's the same opponent, the Chile game in Defensores to the Chile game that, that was in Santiago. What I saw a little bit from this team, especially with Mati Rojas in there, they were a bit more vertical, I suppose. They were a bit more direct. Um, or they were trying to play more direct. But you still see that first half against Chile, uh, Paraguay only had 30% possession. So they were playing without the ball, which is the same as, as what we saw with Berriso. And But they were more effective. In the second half, he brings on Kaku, for example. Kaku is probably, I think, the most technical player Paraguay have at the moment. And so they have more possession. But Paraguay didn't have a single shot on target in that second half. So partly that was, I think, Chile, after the goal, were happy to concede a little bit possession, but also because they knew we, we weren't offering any danger. There were, you know, no shots on target in that second half when you're chasing the game at home and a must-win qualifier kind of suggests there's, there's just not enough quality in there. Um, the Colombia game taken as an isolated game is, yeah, it's a good result to, to draw in Barranquilla, especially you have those last few minutes just to 10 men when, when Cuas is sent off. And you, you think, well, the, at least you, you stopped Colombia. Um, Colombia have a similar problem, I think, to Paraguay. They, they've had a plenty of, of nil-nil draws. They're, they're also, for whatever reason, finding it difficult to score. Even now they brought back Hammers and they're still finding it difficult. Um, but back to Paraguay, this it really puts them in a difficult position that for for qualification, like Fede says, and even if they magically scrape that playoff spot, there isn't much hope. The only problem is, and the big danger is, and this is what we talked about on the last podcast of the of the kind of the gamble of of getting in uh, Scalotto for, for this is that Paraguay, assuming they don't qualify, they wouldn't play a, a game for like 18 months, a competitive game. I'm sure they will be friendlies. But the next time they will play a competitive game will be the 2023 Copa America because the, the qualifiers for 2026 are going to start after that. So who do you who do you play with? And even the, the youth players that, that Fed is talking about, there's no youth tournaments. They've been cancelled because of COVID. So what was scheduled for... This year, 2021, didn't happen. Oh, Roberto's telling me there's no Copa America in 2023, it's 2024. Okay, so, but that's the point. There's even no, there's no competitive games. The next Sudamericano, which is the, the South American Youth Championships, I think will be 2023, because they were meant to be this year because of COVID, of course, didn't happen. Uh, or they were meant to be last year, sorry, for the Olympics, and they can finish everything. I, I don't think they're scheduled. They're not scheduled for January. They, they've said Commonwealth and are going to do it. So we're looking at January 2023. So it's like, it's really hard to, to go on 
on games of who will play and who you will pick. So we talked about Ojeda at the top of the show. That's one person that's 21 and will be playing regular football. And then who else? A few players in the local league that hopefully will make a move. You know, somebody like uh, Alexis Duarte or, or maybe Robert Morales. Uh, let me think of somebody not just from, from Cerro, but, but maybe, you know, maybe uh, even Rodi Ferreira, Guarani, who's having a good season. But, but these don't sound like game changers for, for Paraguay. Julio Enciso is maybe the biggest, the biggest star. Uh, so if he makes a move from from Libertad, that could be could be interesting. But but yeah, we don't see this kind of conveyor belt of talent, and there's no way to test them for for a while. So you wonder what the Skeloto twins are going to do, right? I mean, they they won't have much to work with. Uh, it will be a lot of theory. They'll be seeing formations if players work, but they won't be able to put them into practice for a, for a long time. So that's the. That was always the big gamble of, of if they didn't get it right in these first two games, which which clearly they didn't, to scoreless scoreless games and Paraguay they're still struggling. Four points off now, right? Four points off the the playoff spots with four games to go. So that's a big gap. Yeah, and I think you know, obviously, looking at this right now, obviously Peru is in that final playoff spot with 17 points, and then looking behind, Chile with 16, Uruguay with 16, Bolivia with 15, and us Paraguay with 13. And you also have the automatic spot, Colombia also with 17. So, I think just because the way that the qualifiers have been so far, you would think, yeah, Paraguay still didn't have a chance. But at the same time, it's like, do, do these guys really want to go to the World Cup? Do they really deserve? And you know, everyone can talk about, oh, I want to go to the World Cup and I don't care what it is. As long as I'm there, we can lose all three games. But it's just, it's, that's not how it is. That's not the mentality to have. This is a team that went to multiple World Cups for four straight editions and they made it to the round of 16 on those three occasions. Are you really telling me you don't want to go to a World Cup and you assume, you know, this is Paraguay. This is not, you know, with no disrespect to teams like, you know, this is not Panama who went to their first World Cup. This is not Iceland or, or any of these teams. You know, this is a side with history. And, you know, Fede, to be fair, and looking into this, honestly, I, I see what you're saying. I see your face. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But it's just like... But we, what, what did we what do, do after 2010, Robert? No, but that's what, what I'm saying. No, that but, World Cup? but we, that's we what I'm saying. We don't have players right now in the top leagues in the, in the European game. We don't have big... Our stars don't play in big teams in Europe. So, I mean, you can't expect them to be a, a huge team. I mean, that's what they're saying in the locker room. Uh, we look at each other and, you know, our stars, they're not playing in Manchester United. They're not playing in Chelsea. They're not playing in Manchester City. Our, our star plays in Newcastle. Our, uh, our center back, our, one of our center backs plays in, in Spain, but, you know, he's not even a starter uh, the rest of the rest of them play all here in America, uh, South America, Central America, Mexico at the most. That's the reality of the Paraguayan National League right now. And you look at the other South American uh, national teams and they all have quality players on those top teams. That's a reality right now. That's a big job that needs to be done and that takes a long time. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do it for the next World Cup again, because yeah. we, we didn't do it for this World Cup. Yeah, yeah there, was, there was something I checked about European-based players, and I think what's happened is if you look from 2010 to now, it, back in 2010, Paraguay still had some, you know, a lot of players based in, in Mexico, for example, a local player in, in Topo Cáceres at the time, 
but that was the gap wasn't so big with the rest of South America. Now everybody advanced and Paraguay haven't. So if you look at that game against Chile, Chile I think had seven players playing in Europe. Uh, Paraguay had two. So there's your difference, right? Then I looked at the other games from that particular fiction. I think, you know, Ecuador were five or six, Colombia were five or six. I mean, Brazil, Argentina, we know it's, it's everybody. So Paraguay's market, which for a long time has been to sell players to Argentina, sometimes to Brazil, often to Mexico. That was a good formula for success 10 years ago, but the, the world's moved on and the gap's getting wider. We see this as well with the World Cup winners themselves, right? It's, it's often coming from Europe. So even South American teams having their players in Europe isn't, isn't necessarily working for them. But to be able to compete regionally, you need players over there. And even if it's like Ecuador, if you look at the Ecuador team, a lot of players are in kind of mid-table La Liga, but some are in Belgium. So you have a couple in the Premier League, but not at big clubs. But they're all getting that, that experience in Europe and not being these big fish in small ponds like you have with Paraguay, because you do have Gustavo Gomez, his champion of, of the Libertadores. He's, he's going to be playing again this weekend. You, you know, you have Junior He doesn't Alonso play that in, way in the, the national team, though. Well, because I think the level of competition is higher. He, he's finding it harder. And that's, you look at him as well. He was in Milan. He's, he's had to come back to South America. So I think it's, it's that we're talking about. But then who do we put all this pressure on? Because is, is it the players themselves? It's not really the coach. So, I mean, is it up to Harrison, the president of the FA? Probably not. I don't think he can do that. So who do we, you know, where, where does this all go? How are we going to produce these players? Do we need better agents for the players? You, you need to you know? put them on the national team, Ralph. All you need to do is put them on there. You have Julio Ciso. Julio Ciso has been doing this process of practicing, practicing and practicing. How long have we seen him on the pitch so far? I think like five, ten minutes at the most. I mean, if you want to get these players to Europe, you need to get them on the national team, give them game time, show them to the world, and then maybe a big team or a small team from Europe will catch their eye and be like, hey, who is this guy? Uh, I mean, that needs to happen, and we need to sell players better. We're not selling these players. Yeah, and now's the time. This is the time where we have nothing to play for in a way. I mean, it's very unlikely we qualify. It's that time to take the risk on the young players. Yeah, and, and obviously, like you said, Ralph, it's also going to be hard because the rest of the world is also trying to be in this spot. You know, you got players from, I don't know, just name a random country, something like Senegal, you know, one that plays at Liverpool or, or you know, I don't want to use Africa as an example, but, you know, you got, you got South Koreans, you got Japanese, you got... Uh, you know, Serbia, you know, they, they just made the World Cup. It's like, that's your competition. And you look at South America, it's a small, obviously a small region, 10 countries, but, you know, three former champions and seven teams who, you know, don't have that history. It's just like, it's, it's hard, but yeah, you're right. I, I think that's the only way. And, you know, assuming that Paraguay are in this, and, and to be fair, they're not out. That's the bad part of this all. And it's funny to say that. The, it's the funny to say that, because we're still in for a we fight, we still have to go in. Can, can, yeah. you, can you say which, which, what are the four games? One of them is against Brazil, in Brazil, right? Yeah, that's right. A team that has never lost on South American soil. So in order, the next four games are uh, against Uruguay, who, you know, they, they have talent, but... They're going to have we, a new coach. They have a lot of talent. They're going to have a new coach, but, and, but they still have talent. They still have talent in that sense. Uh, obviously, Brazil in at the Mineirao. 
you know, <laughs> albeit a miracle or something, not going to win that one. That against Ecuador, a team that probably will be already in the World Cup by the time we play them, a side that has never lost to them. Paraguay's never lost to Ecuador in a game in a World Cup qualifier. And the final game against Peru in Lima, also a team that Paraguay has never beaten over there. So, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> the odds are really stacked against them. But I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, do we say it now? I mean, did, are they dead in the water or are we just going to have to wait and see what happens to them? As, as a betting man, I would not be putting money on Paraguay to go no, to the no, World Cup. No, I wouldn't either. But you, you got to feel sorry for these guys. I mean, I, I do think there is a lot of talent and we haven't been able to explode, explode it to the, uh, to the 100%. I mean, we haven't seen 100% of these guys' capacity. I mean, that's what I just wanted to say. That I think these guys could have played a lot better than what they've been able to play. The pressure's been on them. I think that's actually gone against them to actually show everything that they're capable of doing on the pitch. But they just have never come up as a team, you know. You, I was actually expecting that for the group to be tighter, for them to uh, be stronger together, and that's what I was hoping to see against Chile. Not so much the hand of the new coach, but just them being together, just being, just being brothers, and just being just being united on the pitch. And you didn't see that against Chile. You didn't see a team united for trying to get their, their, their country to the next World Cup. And that was really disappointing for the fans and, you know, also for the press because we're, we're behind this, this dream also of going to the next World Cup. And they just let, let us down again on, in home ground, which is something that we, we haven't had any advantage whatsoever. I mean, here in Asuncion, I mean, we just look so weak. Any team that's coming here lately is just like, we're going to be Paraguay. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the truth. And, and, you know, many people have suggested let's play in a different ground. Let's do something different. People have suggested playing at Monoya Oya, maybe change a bit of, of scenery. But, yeah, I mean, we can have a whole discussion about the issues that's going on with Paraguay, but that, that would take uh, probably a ton of episodes <laughs> to do such a thing. But we'll, we'll leave it at that, and we'll talk about it, and we'll close shop on the national team, at least until January when they come back. But switching gears to something that's a bit more dramatic, a bit more exciting, we would say, it's the race happening in the clausura. You know, we have two teams that are not falling at all. You know, it's it's almost as if it's it's still neck and neck between both Guarani and Cerro Bordeño, both with the same record after 16 games, 10 wins, four draws, and two losses, a two-goal difference, actually. Guarani leads that, but with 34 points in and two games left, Ralph, I mean, we we were in a group chat together how that we could indeed see a, a finalissima, which is basically a, a one-off final between these two. I mean, with them playing on the final day, it's going to have to come to that. But I, I, I don't know who to pick out of these two. It's just been so close. I don't know who's really impressed me so far because you look at Huberto's Guarani, who are clearly not dying down. You look at a Cedro side that were dominant against Nacional over the weekend, a side that is considered a bogey team for many uh, Cedro fans. So this is going way down to the wire between these two sides. Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a really good race. I, I felt that Cerro has been almost like a very consistent team this whole year. They've always been finding results. They've got a really good defense. Uh, that goal against Nacional, let me check, I think it's only the fifth. It was the sixth goal they've conceded in 16 games. 
Whereas Guarani have, they've conceded more goals, but they, they go out and they try and, you know, steamroller teams and, and win. And they've just had that one slip up to, to Libertad, who Libertad on their day can beat anybody in the league. Their, you know, their position, their fourth position for Libertad is, is a bit deceptive because they had Copa Sudamericana and they were maybe more focused on that. So really Guarani has done very well. They, they saw off the game with no problems at the weekend. Cerro, I thought Guarani had slipped up against Libertad, as we mentioned. That was the previous game, game week. Cerro, I thought this would be the game they might slip up against, against Nacional. They, they've struggled. Uh, Nacional play a really good, high-intensive style, usually. But I've, I felt they weren't able to, to really employ that against, against Cerro. And they, they didn't seem to be pressing as hard. Cerro started really well, but Nacional took the lead from a, from a wonderful free kick. And then he thought, okay, well, then this could be a problem. But Cerro responded really well. They get a penalty. I, I don't think there's too much debate. It was maybe debated at the time, but if you see it, it's quite a clear push in the back of Claudio Aquino. Uh, Aquino puts away the penalty, and that gives him the confidence to go on. And, and he had a really good game. He's, he's just come into form at the end of this season, just when, when Cerro really need him. And then they have the, we talked about the defense, but then up front they have the quality in, in Mauro Bocelli, who's very experienced and does a really good job holding the ball up, leading the line. And then they have this kid, uh, Robert Morales, who comes on as a substitute and scores. And he came on, scored the fifth goal in this 5-1 win. And he has, I think it's five goals in six games, but all as a substitute. In the games he started this season, which is also about six, he hasn't scored. So it's a very interesting player to have that you can have this striker that you bring on that that can pretty much always find a goal because he's so good at sniffing out space. So once the game is broken up a bit towards the end of the the match, he's there. This weekend, both teams play teams that have absolutely nothing to play for. Doce de Octubre and Guarenia are both safe from relegation they can't qualify for the Sudamericana so it's, it's like a dead game for both of them so I think it, it would be very surprising if, if Cerro or Guarani slip up which would mean they go into the final day on, on even points and I was talking to a friend last night about this I, I don't know who would win that one-off game they did play each other recently and drew nil-nil and we might even see that with them both scared to more scared to lose than win. And that would then take us into another pretty much one-off. Well, it is, it's a one-off game, which is a, a finalissima, which we last had in Paraguay, I think in 2015, when Cerro and Olympia finished level on points and they had a one-off game, which is a really, as you could imagine, it's a classical to decide the, the tournament. It's a really feisty game, lots of, you know, fighting and things. And in that, time Olympia came on top, came out on top. But remember the the coach at the time of Olympia was Chiquiasi, who's now the coach of Serra. So he has that that experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Fede, how are you feeling? I mean, certainly, you know, is it between these two? I mean, do, do we see indeed a filanissima because of how tight these guys have been and how consistent they have all throughout the last few weeks? Well, after the, the these last events, after the, the last game that they played, you know, it, it's just confirmed that it's going to be down to that last game. It's going to be down to that last week. It's going to be down to that game that's going to be played in Guarani ground. 
Um, and I, I think it's just beautiful, you know, from from the point of view that that everybody's going to have the chance to see them going at it uh, on that game for the title, one game, and the winner is going to take it. And it's just beautiful that it actually it was kind of designed that way before it even started, right? Because you know that's the calendar just speaking for for itself and uh, i think this is going to be a great battle uh, from the tactical point of view because you have great coaches behind it i mean uh, uh, Uero, what he's done with what ever since he took over on this second semester of the year i mean he's built up a great team he doesn't have much to handle i mean if he loses a player or two he he, he, he doesn't have the best replacements for them but you know he's kept it together even even though he had a couple of injuries he was actually able to to maintain these last couple of games, especially, I mean, let's remember everybody, let's remind everybody that, you know, Guarani, uh, they, they had a small advantage uh, against Cerro on the points. That's why that game that Ralph was talking about, that 1-1 uh, draw uh, back on the, on the first, uh, on the first semester uh, uh, when they played on, on Cerro Porteño's ground, I mean, what I need, it was a good result for them to actually tie against Cerro back then because they were actually maintaining the distance with Cerro. This this time around, it's going to be totally different because the team that's going to win is going to take the title. So you're going to have one in what I need there going more at it, trying to win the game, and you're going to have Cerro uh, just like we've seen them lately. I mean, just pure confidence and uh, solutions to every problem that they're having. I mean, Nacional was a problem the first half of the game, but Cerro Porteño just was more awake at the second half, and they, they just have so many solutions to all the problems, just like I was saying. And and then you have a couple of key players that I actually, I actually wanted to talk about, Roberto. Uh, in Guarani, Fernando Fernandez. I mean, this has been one of the players of the tournament no doubt about it. And this has been his, his place to, in the world. I mean, what I need, right? I mean, this is a guy that you, you can compare his, his status, his story to that of, of, of legends that have only played in one team, even though he went to Olympia, even though he went to the Mexican football, clearly what I need has always been his favorite spot, his spot in the world and his spot to make goals. And he's just grown so much on his game this year. He's just not a, He's just not a score maker. He's, he's also, you know, he's making the team play. He's making assists. And he took over the other day when the, the game was really tough for his team. You know, his team wasn't uh, solving the game. And he just took over. He got the ball. And he, and he scored that first goal that it just kind of opened up the match. So uh, I'm really happy for Fernando Fabian Fernandez. El Queso, like like they know him here, the Cheese Fernandez. I mean, I think we can call him that. Uh, he's just very this 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 really nice guy, and and that's this is his body. I mean, even a lot of people have been asking him for the national team also, just because we've had this problem with our center forwards, and he's just had this great season. And on Cerro Porteño, I want to put up there Claudio Aquino. What a season he's had! Huh? I mean, scoring, coming back to his best level I, I was just saying I mean maybe this is a, a 2.0 version of him because we actually see him play, play really well back when he was playing in what I need on his first uh, time around with Cerro Porteño also but he you know this at the beginning of the year I, I think he, he wasn't up there with his level he, he was having a lot of trouble scoring and 
and being the playmaker also for his team. And now you're, you're seeing that he's also kind of that play that's taken over. He did it on the Super Classico uh, against Olympia, which is something that just gives you uh, that 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 status of, of idol for the for the fans also. So you know he's he's done so much this year, and and again the other day uh, scoring and 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 he he even got the foul for the penalty that opened the, the match also when they were losing one one down so i'm really happy for these two guys and i'm happy that that these teams have stars you know that that you have players that you want to look at their games because you know what you're going to expect from fernando fernandez you know what you're going to get from claudio aquino so that battle on the last match for uh, roberto i'm just eating my nails waiting for that game i'm absolutely excited i cannot wait to see what happens within the next two games for both olympia for guarani and cedro i think it's going to be exciting it's going to be a thrilling and, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, we're going to have a deserved champion, regardless of who it's going to be. But I am absolutely excited for this. And, you know, obviously, let's close our, our show with a quick more segment, um, obviously talking about the women's game. You know, obviously, you had mentioned at the beginning of the show that the Copa Libertadores Femenina had actually happened in Paraguay. We saw Corinthians win the title, actually, on the Brazilian side. So congratulations to them. We saw some Paraguayans participating, Cedro Porteño going far into that competition, going into the knockout stage, like many of us on the show predicted. And we also have the national team also performing. And Ralph, you wanted to go on this one because I think it's a it's a good thing to see now the, the women's team actually play in the national stadium against Peru. Yeah, that's some good news. The The original schedule of this game was there's, there's going to be two friendlies uh, of Paraguay against Peru, both in Asuncion, well, in Asuncion, I should say, both in Paraguay because the first schedule was that both games would be played in San Lorenzo Stadium. San Lorenzo used to be in, in the top division. They're currently in the, in the second division. But today they announced that at least the first game has been moved to the national team stadium, to the Defensores del Chaco, which is, I think, much more appropriate for, for a, a Paraguay versus Peru friendly. And the second game is still in, in San Lorenzo Stadium. But at least you get this first one showpiece where it should be and this is a really interesting test i think now for for the paraguayan national team remember they played those two games against the us which they were never going to win it was about getting experience they played uh in japan again you know a huge test for them but not a game they're expected to win this now starts to see all right where you know where are we within south america where are we going into the, the Copa America next year, which the Women's Copa America, remember, that's, your, that's how you get your ticket to the World Cup. They don't do this marathon World Cup qualifiers like in the men's game because there's simply not the money to be traveling around the continent for, for two years or three years. So they do it all in a, in a, in a tournament. So this is going to be a, a good test for them. And then one of the players just to... Just to mention it is Fanny Gauto, who we mentioned at the top of the show. She got to the Copa Libertadores final with Santa Fe. She's a very important player for Santa Fe. She plays in the field. She's she's the captain. She's the, the kind of leader of that of that team. She she scored a good goal. I remember in the in the group stages, and she helped them progress to the final. And I. And those people that did watch the friendlies against the U.S. women's national team, because I'm sure quite a few people listening or watching did, uh, she was the one player I thought that that showed she could actually control the ball in the middle of the pitch and not feel overrun by the the pressing and the pressure that that the U.S. were putting on her. 
so so that's you know that's another player that she got very close. It was a big chance, I guess, for the Libertadores. But Corinthians are so strong. Corinthians were for me the best team in the last Libertadores as well. They were they were surprisingly beaten in the in the semifinals, I think it was. And Ferroviaria ended up being champions, but but I felt Corinthians had been the stronger team going into it. Uh, so con congrats to them. And then for Paraguay, yeah, this is a, an interesting test. Both games are Antigua. I don't know if, if Fede gets to, to commentate or not, but both games are televised in Paraguay, so, so people can watch those. Absolutely. Definitely keep an eye on that as well. And obviously keep an eye on what's going on in the Paraguayan game as we close off to another great episode of Guarani Vision. So for myself, Roberto Rojas, Fede Perez, and Ralph Hanna, thank you so much for listening in. See you soon. <laughs>